stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's senior strategist, Kevin Cook, to discuss a very important topic, which we haven't covered on this podcast yet, and it's should you trade the VIX? In 2015, Kevin did an excellent video on this topic in his Cook's Kitchen, and it's still getting views. It's gotten like 15,000 views over there. So you can go to YouTube and check it out. It is called, isn't it, Kevin? Should you trade the VIX? I'm pretty sure it's called the same thing. Um, I think it is. Actually, I just checked it out. Uh, so the, the video on YouTube is called Trading the VIX. Okay. What you need to know. Okay. Now, if you forget that title, if you just search in YouTube, trading space VIX, V-I-X, yeah. uh, it'll come up as the top result. Okay. And like I said, like 15,000 people have been watching that video over there, which I've watched as well. And so I thought we'd cover the same topic. It's not quite as good without your visuals from the video, (laughs) but I know that the VIX is still the thing. I still see it referred to all the time on my Twitter feed and on stock twits of like people trading it or wanting to trade it. So or, u- or using it as a market predictor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. And you can find it if you're on Yahoo Finance. There's the VIX right up there. It's like, you know, the major indexes, gold, crude, and this thing called the VIX. Mm-hmm. So what is the VIX? Yeah. So and the reason I made that video is is because of so many people trying to trade it. Yes. And you and I uh, use stock twits a lot. For, uh, for any of our uh, Twitter users out there, there is a sort of a derivative, not related to Twitter, but yeah. uh, 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 Howard Linson invented something called stock twits for just for traders, where you can go on there and talk about stocks all day. And on, so you see all these new young traders come there and they all want to trade the VIX yeah. and through all these derivatives that exist. And most of them will lose all their money <laughs> because these derivatives are not uh, what they think they are. Right. And the VIX is a very professional... Um, instrument and market, and it's not for everybody. So, wh- so then what I try and do is some basic education, and that's what my video does. Yeah. And and first of all, you have to. I mean, let let me just describe it in some basic terms, and okay. then um, ask questions if I say something confusing. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, um, the VIX is what's known as implied volatility, and implied volatility just means it's telling you the prices that things are trading at. What are they telling you about how volatile things are expected to be in the future. So, in um we all know the S&P 500, it's, you know, it's the big benchmark index for the United States. Well, um there are options that trade on the S&P 500 that are really just for institutions because of of the, you know, the size and the the um the amount of capital you need to put up to buy or sell uh a put or a call on the S&P 500. So, and those options trade at the Chicago Board Options Exchange, uh, and the symbol is SPX. So those options are trading because large fund managers want to hedge, or they want to use options in in creative ways to sort of uh, you know either balance a portfolio or get more leverage out of a portfolio. They might be selling calls against the S and P five hundred, but when the VIX spikes up, it's because they're buying puts and they're 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 not, I don't want to say that they're in a panic, but sometimes the price of insurance on their portfolios goes up. They don't want to sell their stocks. They have too many stocks to sell, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, 
you know, if you're a, if you're a fund manager managing anything over a billion dollars, you're not you don't want to sell your stocks, but you'd like to buy insurance. And the best one of the best ways to do that is to buy a put on the S and P 500. So uh, what the VIX is measuring is the prices that are being paid for those puts and calls. Are they are they going up or are they going down? And that gets converted into a volatility number. Now, volatility is just standard deviation. So anybody who went to college and took <laughs> probability and statistics, if you don't know what the VIX is, just equate it to standard deviation because that's all it is. It's it's uh, it's classic standard deviation. You know, um, in six. You know, uh, so what it tells you. Let, let's say that uh, you have a VIX number of fifteen. What what that is is that's a percentage. So it's telling you that the S and P five hundred could be within 15% higher or 15% lower one year from now in about 68% of cases, which is, <laughs> okay. you know, one standard deviation <laughs> is about, you know, 68% of cases. Yeah. That's, that's the way standard deviation works. And it's an annualized number. So it's always, so it's really um, this funky mathematical guesstimate of where where traders are voting based on you know what what they want to pay uh for puts and calls and then that creates this implied volatility so just like uh I, I should take one step back here and just talk about options pricing uh many people have probably heard of the black shoals options pricing model this was revolutionary when it was invented in the late 60s i mean it basically created the chicago derivatives markets you know we're here in chicago and i got my start at the cme um which uh, was trading pork belly futures in the 60s, but then they got to trade currencies in the 70s after Nixon nixed the gold standard. Uh, Right around the same time, the Chicago Board Options Exchange started in 1973 because options are something that have existed for centuries, thousands of years. You know, there's stories about uh, in ancient Greece, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think it was Thales of Miletus uh, sold options on olive presses because he knew there was going to be uh, bad weather or good weather. And maybe maybe there was a bumper crop of olives or whatever, and everybody would want an olive press. So he sold the right to rent an options press. So um, that's, that's what an option is. It grants you the right to buy something. Well, there were no, there was no Chicago Board Options Exchange before 1973 because there wasn't a standardized model. So um, Myron Scholes and... Uh, and Fisher Black created this mathematical model that said, "Hey, you know, what if we? What are the requirements to tell us what an option should be worth?" And they put in the requirements. We had we needed to know where is the stock now, where do you want to buy or sell the stock? That's the strike price of the option. Um, what has historical volatility been like? Uh, what are interest rates? And oh, and the time. When does it expire? How how long is the option good for? Sometimes that gives it. It's most value. If somebody's going to sell you an option to do something tomorrow, it's not worth very much because you're only buying one day of time. Right. But if somebody, uh, I bought my first house with a lease option. I put an ad in a newspaper and I said, I'll buy your house uh, for your asking price in one year if you give me a lease purchase agreement or a lease option. And I made a deal and I bought my very first house in 1997 with a lease option contract where I locked in the price of the house today. For one year and one year only, and so the seller had the basically 
he gave me he gave me the right he gave me that option um but if a year came by and i still hadn't bought the house he, he could take it off the market it was no longer mine to buy at that price so i only locked in that price for one year so that's what an option does it grants you the right but not the obligation to buy something so the black shoals options pricing model created this standardized method and so I told you all the things you put in. I told you the five things you put into the model to give you an options price. Well, implied volatility puts in the price of the options and spits out the implied volatility. That's where implied volatility comes from. This is a huge concept in options trading. We won't go that much more into it, but... Um, Sounds complicated. What happens with the VIX is that... People think, well, I, I can predict the market here. I know the VIX is going to go up. The VIX is going to go well, down. Don't they all just like look at the chart on the VIX? Exactly. Isn't there a lot yeah. of charting? And then the other problem is, is they're using these new ETFs. I, I, I call them new, but I mean, they've been around for a few years, um, like VXX, which just had to get- Yeah, I looked at that one, the which, short-term futures ETN. Which just had to get rebuilt. They, they had to kill the old VXX. Was that the one that blew up? Yeah. Okay. It was the one that partially blew up. One of up. the ones? So, yeah. So, and then there's UVXY, which is leveraged still. So, remember I said that the, that the VIX is based on S&P options, which are based on the index? Well, there's your first derivative, right? So, the S&P options are a derivative of the index. Then the VIX is based on those options. So, there's your second derivative. These ETFs are third and fourth de derivatives, especially if they have leverage and if they rebalance daily. So here, here's the short and simple of this. These ETFs, mathematically, they are destined to go to zero. That's what I think people don't understand. Yeah. And the options pros, the mathematical, quantitative, institutional pros, they know this. So they do two things. One, since it's all math... They can algorithm, algorithmically, algorithmically program. I shouldn't even try and say that word, but in in trading we just use shorthand like algos, right? So you you program a you create a program that can buy or sell lots of these instruments all at the same time. You're you know you're uh, if you buy puts here, you're buying the index there. You're doing this in the in the ETF, and then you're doing this in the VIX. There's VIX futures. Oh, I forgot about the VIX futures. That the VIX futures are in the middle of this too. There's at the CBO they trade futures on the VIX, so that, that that's another derivative. So that's how you get into third and fourth derivatives with these ETFs. But the institutions are again. I said they're doing two things. One, they're using math and computer programs to trade them automatically, so you'll never beat them. The other thing they're doing, they're consistently shorting these ETFs. So like the new VXXB um, and UVXY. They're just net short these things all the time. And so um, you're, you're up against the pros, really, when it comes to these instruments. And then trying to chart them, the, you can chart stock prices because you know a stock can go to zero and it can go to infinity. The VIX cannot go to zero or infinity. It, it oscillates. It's what's called a stochastic oscillator. So all it does is uh, it just mean reverts. So it just goes up and down. But you could use the VIX if you're just watching it to get the trends, the general trends, can't you? Because I looked at the VIX to see what it was on December 24th when it was the dark times last year, as <laughs> yeah. I call it. And it was at 36. It spiked up to 36. And now it's around 14 or 15. So so here's, uh, you know, you and I have done a couple of programs here on Market Edge where we just talk about 
how should investors handle volatility in general right. in their portfolios with the stuff they own. And, yeah. and what do we always say? The first thing is have a plan. Yeah. Know what you would do in several uh, scenarios, especially like a worst case scenario. You need to ask yourself ahead of time, do I really want to sell this stock 20% down or 50% down or would I own it? And if you make that decision ahead of time, then you're prepared if the worst happens. In December, from December 14th to Christmas Eve was only seven trading days. The S&P fell 11%. I actually thought the VIX should have gone higher. What did you say the high was? 36. Oh, did it spike up that high? Okay. Yeah. But it didn't stay there very long. No, like a day. Because one thing the VIX is telling you is, even though it's an annualized standard deviation, um, you can convert it to a daily volatility. And roughly speaking, a VIX of 16 means the S&P could move about 1% a day. And that's the price of risk. So the, the option market makers at the CBOE who are making the market in puts and calls, they kind of know, they kind of have an idea or or a, at least a rough forecast for what they think volatility is going to be today, tomorrow, in a week. They can't say for sure a month from now. But um, so they're... They're the insurance sellers, right? And the, and and what are they? You know, we know insurance is all mathematically based, right? Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the 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 VIX actually for the for the kind of moves we had an eleven percent down move in seven trading days. On a on a scale of standard deviation, that's like an event that should only happen once every ten thousand years, right? Just be just based on history. Something like that yeah. rarely ever happens. It right. Would, it would be like a five sigma event. Um, and yet the VIX only spiked up a little bit yeah. because it was, I think, volume was relatively low and most of the players were already hedged. They already owned their puts going into October and November. I mean, when I say players, I mean the large institutions. They were buying puts like crazy in October and November. So they were kind of already hedged going into it and they just stood back and went, whoa, what's going on here? Right. And then- Slowly, some courageous funds would come in and start buying in December, and and here we are, yeah. almost back to the highs. So, what would your advice be for someone who does want to like trade the volatility, but they're going to stay away from from the VIX and the VIX products? Yes, that's my first advice. Stay, okay. do, do do what you said. <laughs> stay away from the VIX and VIX products. And really, if you whether you're an whether you consider yourself a new investor or a trader, or somewhere in between. I, I always call people investor traders because none of us are always buying stocks and holding them for years like Warren Buffett. So right. we're doing some trading. You're already trading volatility by owning stocks because, um, but you, you've got to know, you got to know where to hold them and know where to fold them, so to speak, and like pick, pick good buying opportunities, like pick good place, like think in advance. For instance, um, Square. The, the the fintech disruptor. I knew I just wanted to buy it. I was buying it on the way down okay. in November and December. So I bought it 63. Ooch, that hurt when it went all the way to 52, but we bought some more at 52. And that paid off because, you know, Square's uh, back up making like three month highs above 77, 78 now. So it hasn't reported earnings yet. Though. It, no, it actually reports this week. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that kind of thing, like, Know where you want to buy something that you, that you'd be willing to hold for more than three to six months, because um, during during bouts of volatility that that come and go, right? Vol volatility 
it comes and it goes, you know? And so now we're in a quiet period and the market's rising and it doesn't seem like anything can scare it. But just as you want to have a plan for what you own and whether you would sell it or not on a downdraft, have a plan for what you want to buy. I always call it, for my group, I call it buy buckets. You want to have buckets placed out to catch things that are falling and and then try and stick to your plan. And it's hard, too, because when everybody seems to be panicking, it's hard to go in there and go, oh, I'm going to buy this at 45, and then it just went to 40. But you cannot time this stuff perfectly. When when volatility is, you know, the VIX is above 30 and things are racing, you can't time things perfectly and catch the absolute low. But if you buy, if you plan to buy something at 45 that that fell, let's say it fell 20% in a week, you buy it at 45 and it goes to 40, I would say stick with your plan if if nothing else has changed. You like the fundamentals of that stock because two, three weeks later, it could be back above 60. You know, this is what happens. And I gave you the example with Square. Like I was, uh, you know, you get a knot in your stomach when you just bought it at 63 and now it's 52. But averaging in, scaling in, paid off in the volatility. Yeah. And we saw that with lots of software stocks. I mean, look at uh, any, uh, I'll name a bigger software stock that every, you know, lots of in, uh, tech investors own, and that's Salesforce, uh, symbol CRM. That's making new highs now. And it was, you know, it was down to 114 and now it's 162. Wow. So that's pretty volatile yeah, and, there. <laughs> and, and, and software in general uh, was is just super strong. And even though the valuations are high, you've got uh, things like Adobe and Workday. Um, Workday has made new highs. Adobe hasn't yet, but uh, looks like it could. What's Workday symbol? W-D-A-Y? Exactly. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an easy one. Yeah. Who knew Who knew the software guys would be back on the scene, really? Well, yeah. You know what? It's it's so funny because I owned both uh, CRM and Adobe and a couple others like a year to 18 months ago, and they just weren't moving. You know, semiconductors were all the rage. Right. And software was just not getting yeah. paid. And then and then all of a sudden, you know, semis get trashed. And then and then not only does software start to really climb in 2018, but then it's like the first tech group to make new highs um out of the out of the storm of the correction. While I have you on on the semiconductors, what what's your take on what's going on there? They have rebounded off those lows. Now there's a lot of believers again. I'm scratching my head because as much as I believe in a in a what I call the tech super cycle with you know artificial intelligence, five G, yeah, cloud data centers, uh, autonomous cars, um, just the, an explosion of uses for semiconductors. Um, the cycle downturn seemed real, yeah, and it still seems pretty real. Okay, with Europe threatening recession, China, who knows what their growth numbers are going to be right. like? Um, and you know, so so, so you're not buying it? Do you think well, this is yeah, a fake out? I, I, I kind of do. Okay, I, I think it is right now that because the 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 Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, which is called the SOX S O X, is within like three to five percent of its all-time highs from last summer last yeah. autumn and it's like wait a second did did we just have a cycle downturn and it ended that quickly and we're are, we're already gonna make new highs that's the <laughs> argument people are telling me yeah they're like it's, so, it's different this time yeah. Kevin and I, I think you, I think you for as an investor you can own micron. And okay. you, and you want to buy Nvidia, um, you know, near one forty if you can. Um, so things like that, and 
you know, if you're a long-term investor and, and don't, right. you know, you can put them away. Yeah. Um, because if this cycle, you know, and it, we have to ask, is it, has this all been about the trade war? And probably a big part of it has, like maybe much, too much fear got priced in. But then when the, when the semis, we, we waited to see what would the semis report. And we didn't get a lot of optimism from Micron no. and NVIDIA that, that the cycle had troughed yet. Right. But investors are act large investors at yes. least are acting like, oh, we see the trough. It's out there in March or April, so we're gonna right. we're gonna take the stocks to you know back up to the highs now anyway, yeah. <laughs> which is risky. It is, but it makes me think like this run is already over. Then if they're already pricing in yeah. the bottom, then then where do you go from there, really? Because then you go into the next quarterly reports, right? And are they really ramping up that? quickly now yeah. no probably not given yeah. the given what you just outlined about recessions and various slowdowns yeah, i call and... uh, micron the megalodon of memory and it's like when they tell you demand is softening yeah that means something right okay well we'll be revisiting the semis i'm sure yeah. in the next couple months because it's still a super popular area but uh the software stocks some of these are the ones i'm going to be keeping an eye on and then stocks like square too i feel like they're getting overlooked a bit here in the market, even though some are making new highs. So, okay, this was good. Does this? Do you think this will stop some someone from trading the VIX? Products? I hope so, and, and at least I want to inspire people to go watch my video where I give yeah. more, go, give more details about what's wrong with these derivatives and and how they're really just for the pros and the institutions right. who are already trading them automatically with algo programs. You can't win against them. And and they're always hedged anyway. So when when all of a sudden you see oh uh, one of these VIX things is moving up, I should buy it and chase it. No, because <laughs> these institutions are doing it automatically, and they can take risk that you can't. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's let's cover all the tickers we talked about. I guess so. There are some stocks that we talked about. You might want to check out Square, but they are reporting this week. SQ is a the ticker there. Workday, I believe, is also going to be reporting. WDAY, Adobe, they're coming up soon. They haven't reported yet either. Did we talk about Adobe? They yes. were kind of yeah, mixed I mentioned in there. Adobe, That's yeah. right. ADBE, and then Salesforce, CRM, they haven't reported yet either. So could be some people might want to play these before the report. Too. And, th and then the exchanges that give us our volatility data would be CBOE yes. and CME. Yeah. And then some of those tickers for the volatility, VXX is the main one, isn't it? Now, but now it's, they had to kill that one oh, they and did. make a new one. This is what happens with these things, you okay. know, for, especially for the leveraged <laughs> ones, uh, yeah. they have to um, reverse split them okay. before the stock price goes to zero. So anytime they get down to like to 10 bucks, they do a reverse split to jack the price back up. Okay. So that's why, uh, oh, here's, here's my tell. If you don't have time to watch my video yet, uh, pull up a long-term chart on any trading platform you have, like a... a even a three-year chart will do, and put in UVXY, or if you can still see VXX, what you will see is a price where the thing was at $30,000 or $100,000, and now it's $30. How can that be, right? <laughs> yeah. It's because of the, the natural decay in the derivative and the daily rebalancing and the fact they've done reverse splits. It's never going up to those highs again. Right, <laughs> that's, right. That's what people need to be aware of. Okay, that's something good. That's UVXY. So that yeah, was... UVXY is a good one to look at. I, I, okay. bet, I bet you the all-time high could be something like, I'm just going to guess, $150,000. It might even be higher. 
Okay. On a on a five or a ten year chart. Oh my god. And it's never going back there again. Right. Right. So <laughs> stop dreaming of their riches. Right. right? Um, okay. So I will link to Kevin's video in the article for this podcast. So if you can't find it on your own, you can always find it there, and you can watch the video there. But otherwise, make sure you subscribe here at The Market Edge so you don't miss a single one of these episodes as we're always covering these kind of interesting trading topics and other things going on with stocks. And you don't want to miss a single one. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. We're also on SoundCloud. And we're trying to get on Spotify, but they're being delayed, I think, over there and putting us on. But we will be on Spotify soon enough. So get us on one of the other platforms for now. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks.